Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. The God who goes ahead, or the God who goes before us. Do we believe that God goes before us? That God goes ahead of us? Do you believe this morning God has a plan for you? You know, sometimes that can be a little bit abstract, can't it? God has a plan for my life. Well, that's good. (laughs) But what does that actually mean? for me tomorrow morning? What does that mean for us on Wednesday evening? What does that mean for us on a day-to-day? But God has a plan for our lives every single day. You know, God doesn't switch off. The psalmist tells us he never slumbers and he never sleeps. He's always watching and he has a plan and a purpose for us. And here's the wonderful thing. He doesn't just say, well, here's my plan for you. Off you go. It doesn't even just say, here's my plan for you and I'm with you as you go. But actually, the wonderful truth is, God has already gone ahead of us. The key is this. Are we following Him? It's all very well to say God has gone ahead of us, but God has a plan for us, and it's not my plan, it's His plan for me that is good for me, that is beneficial for me. Ephesians 2 says God has planned good works for us in advance. What does that mean? God has gone ahead of us. He knows what's going to happen on Thursday. He knows what's going to happen later on in September. Happy September. God has a plan, and He's gone ahead of us. He's the eternal God. He sees everything, and He has gone ahead. He's prepared a way. And we talk a little bit more about how Jesus has prepared the way for us. He's gone ahead by His death and His burial and His resurrection and His ascension. He's gone ahead, and He's showing us where we're going ultimately. But here's the wonderful truth. God has a plan and a purpose for us, and He goes ahead of us every day of our lives. The question is, am I, are you, are we following him? I, uh, I've got a picture here of some uh, mountaineers, and the, as I was thinking about this, this whole thing of God going ahead of us, I was kind of, I was kind of reminded of, of the, the job that a Sherpa does. Um, and I, I kind of did a little bit of research. You know, in 1953, Edmund Hillary, New Zealander, on a British exped- expedition, was the first man, along with Sherpa Tensing, to reach the summit of Everest and return alive. It's possible others got there, came back and died on the way, but this was the first successful ascent and descent of Everest. And here's the thing, Hillary would never have got there without tensing. And I hadn't realized actually that Sherpas are an ethnic group. I thought it was a job that somebody did, but actually it relates to an ethnic group of people who live in Nepal and certain areas of the Himalayas, and they live at high altitude. They're born at high, a high altitude, and therefore they have this genetic advantage of being able to deal with low levels of oxygen at, at high altitudes. And so they are hardy in that respect. They're able to survive in the heights and, thr- and thrive in the heights, and they know the way to the top. They know the mountains. They know the safe passage they're experienced. And you know, here's the wonderful thing. Jesus has gone ahead of us, and he is used to living in the heights. And he knows the way for us, and he's prepared it for us. The, the question is, am I ready to follow in his footsteps? If Hillary had decided, thanks, Sherpa Tensing, for getting me this high, you know, 20,000 feet, leave the last 9,000 to me, I've got this. No, I believe he was carefully following him. And, and it's, with all the people who've reached the summit of Everest ever since, they say this, unless you've got a Sherpa and oxygen, basically forget it. You're never going to make it. Those two things are absolutely vital. And I read the story of 
Sherpa who's actually uh, summited Everest 24 times. He's the record holder. He did it twice in one week. I mean, that's taking the mickey, isn't it? Just popping back up. I think he left his glasses there. But you know, God, just to have that picture in our mind of God going ahead of us, and that if we're willing to follow in his steps, that there's nothing that can hurt us when we'll reach the summit of everything that he has for us. And uh, Alice, is Alice here? If Alice uh, from Tamworth, Mason? Yeah, come forward, Alice. Alice, Alice has a, a testimony of, of, of something specific that I would just like for her to share with us. Can we give Alice a really warm welcome? This is Alice. Okay, so I've got a testimony that I've been wanting to give for quite a while. Um, and as a new Christian, it was quite a huge impact, this testimony was. And it all starts with something so simple as a chocolate bar. <laughs> so it was my birthday on the 3rd of July, and I went to the Francis house to pick Paul up for the church members' meeting. Um, but he said that we'll keep the chocolate bar in the fridge, and you can have it after work the next day, um, because it was really warm and mountain and all that kind of stuff. So the next day came, I was on stock take. I had to do an 11-hour shift at work with no break or anything. And I was driving home from work, um, and I was really tired, and I thought, no, I'm going to go home, have a nap, and then I'll go round Paul and Katie's house. But that's when the Holy Spirit said, no, no, you're going to go to Paul and Katie's house, you're going to pick up that chocolate bar. Now, <laughs> as you enter our village... There's a crossroads. So you turn right to Katie and Paul's and you go straight on to my house. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going straight on, you're going to turn right. So I slowed down and me being a new driver as well, you know, proper braking distance between the car in front and I slowed down for this junction and um, I was doing about 15 miles an hour. And then the next thing I was not expecting, um, a blue car, which I didn't like its body language, um, didn't give way at the giveaway, and he ploughed into the side of the black car that was in front of me. And this car went up in the air, spun round twice, and landed on its wheels three yards in front of me. Uh, the police later that afternoon uh, <laughs> said to me that if I had stayed at the speed limit and was doing 30 miles an hour heading home, I would have directly been where that car had landed. Mm. <laughs> so that chocolate bar kind of saved my life <laughs> but the great thing is is he didn't even stop there I mean that's quite a huge impact just in that one thing but for those that you don't know me I've been applying for the police for over 12 months um, and at this point I was really worried I got my physical coming up and well I don't run so it's going to be quite hard um, I was really worried about what the police were expecting of me and this and the other would I make a great police officer and I find myself putting my hazard lights of my car and dealing with this situation I was the only one on, on, in this case I was pulling children out the back of the car ringing an ambulance in the other hand and I don't know how I did it <laughs> um, but the ambulance turned up and the police turned up and I'm directing traffic <laughs> um, so he managed to provide me with a situation that just knew that I was going to make a good police officer but it gets better <laughs> so um 
I run down the road because I'm. I, it's like I've done an 11-hour shift and I've been directing traffic in the heat with no food or water for an hour and a half now. So I run down the road to this police officer. Now, there's five police officers I could have chosen, but I chose this one. And I said, look, I saw it all. I'm up there directing traffic. Come and take my statement. So about half an hour later, he comes up and finally gets people to direct the traffic for me. He must have thought I was doing a good job because, you know, he didn't take over. <laughs> and uh, he comes up to me and we were having a chat because I was in a relatively good mood considering what had just happened. And uh, he, um, he starts talking to me and it turns out he's just finished his training of the job that I'm going to go into. He told me exactly what I needed to do to pass my physical test. Everything I needed to expect from the police. Um, so the following week, I passed my physical test and I start the police at the end of the month. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. I don't know what the chocolate bar was but I do know it was the Holy Spirit that directed, and in just one simple act of obedience, God's gone ahead, saved not only a disaster, but enabled Alice and empowered her to be a help there and was a benefit to her as well. It's, so, it's just recognizing the Holy Spirit, He's always speaking to us. He's gone ahead of us, and He wants us to listen to His voice. And God going ahead of us was really kind of emphasized to me in this scripture in Joshua 24, verse 12. You can put the next slide up for me. It's a really interesting verse, and it's one that I've uh, sort of puzzled over a little bit for quite a long time, but it, God is speaking through Joshua, and this is one of, sort of Joshua's final statement, and Joshua said, this is what God says, I sent the hornet ahead of you, and it drove out the two Amorite kings before you. It was not by your sword or your bow. What is God saying? For your victory, for your success, it was because I went ahead of you. I sent the hornet ahead of you. Now, that word is used three times in, in the Old Testament. It's used in Deuteronomy, in Exodus, and in Joshua. And it's, it's, it's sometimes translated as terror. And it also, God relates it back to the plagues that he sent on Egypt. And there's something about God basically causing and wreaking havoc amongst the enemy so that his people go through already victorious. And I love that picture. That you know what, tomorrow, in the day that you're going to be facing, that God has gone ahead of you. And actually, he's already unsettled the enemy. We don't need to be afraid of the enemy. The hornet's already causing all sorts of problems for the enemy. And he says, and I'll do this, and I did this, to these two Amorite kings. Who are those two Amorite kings? It's a good question. Because actually, Joshua doesn't specify, but if you go back to Deuteronomy 2 and 3, you see exactly who these two kings are. So if you put the next slide up, please. I love a map. <laughs> I missed my, my calling to the Ordnance Survey people, I think, or whatever they call it. Is it Ordnance Survey? I don't know what a map's called, but I love maps. Anyway, this beige area in the wilderness, that's probably quite fitting, is where they came from the east into the Promised Land. And you can see where Ammon sits there, right in the, in the middle of the map. You've got Sion to the south, and Og to the north. Some great names in the Bible. Ur and Og, two of my favorites. And um, Sion was a king of a region. He was Sion of Heshbon. You read about him in Deuteronomy 2. And the word Sion literally means warrior. 
and Heshbon means fortress or stronghold, okay? Now, I don't, if you're going to talk about an enemy that's an experienced mighty warrior who lives in a fortress and a stronghold, that's not what I want to have my first battle. I want to sort of ease myself into it. But that's the first enemy that God overthrows. Sion, a warrior who lived in a fortress, and who comes and, 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 and uh, overcomes him, but the people who are slaves, who are untrained as in, in any military way, and live in tents. And yet they overthrow the warrior who lives in a stronghold. What does it say in Proverbs 14, 11? It says that the house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the righteous will flourish. Well, this was evident here. Sion's house was brought to the ground, and the tents of the righteous overcame the stronghold of Sion. Why? Because God went ahead of them. And then we have Og of Bashan. Can you please say it with me? Og. Og. I want to say Oggy, 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 but <laughs> Og of Bashan. And Og literally means long-necked. Okay? So if you could just do a long-neck pose with me, just long, lengthen that neck. I feel like I'm back in my physio days now. But he's been called long neck because he was a giant. He, he slept in a 13-foot long bed. He was part of a, of a giant race. He was one of the last of, of, of one of the, the giant races that, that lived in the, in the Old Testament. And, and so he was big. He was a giant. He was mighty. He was strong. And Bashan means fruitful. So this enemy was big and fruitful. And God was sending up against them those who themselves said when they went into the land, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And where did they live? In the wilderness. And yet the grasshoppers who lived in the wilderness were able to come, overcome the fruitful giants. Why? Because God had gone ahead of them. I love those contrasts between God's people and the enemy, and yet they overcame. In fact, it says they totally wiped them out and destroyed them. Why? Because God had gone ahead. And I want to say this to you today. God is going ahead of you. God is going ahead of us. Are we willing to recognize that? Are we willing to follow him? And as we do, we will see mighty victories because the enemy is already in turmoil because of the work of Christ. Not by your bow and it's not by your sword. How often do we go back to doing things in our own strength? How often do we go back to relying on ourselves and not looking to the Lord, coming up with our own plans and not asking God what his plans are? And yet God says, follow me. And if you follow me, know this, I've gone ahead of you. And I've gone ahead of you and I've destroyed and I've brought low the warriors who live in the strongholds and the giants who seem to be fruitful. You might feel small. You might feel like you don't have much. It doesn't matter. It's not your sword and it's not your bow anyway. It's by my power, by my authority. And it was a fulfillment of a promise. If you could put the next slide up, please. See, God wants us to really grasp this. See? I know so many times God has just said, see, Rich? Look, just really get this. Grasp this. See? I'm sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place I've prepared for you. Pay close attention to him and obey his instructions. Do not rebel against him, for he is my representative and he will not forgive your rebellion. But if you're careful to obey him, following all my instructions, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. And I will oppose those who oppose you, for my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and Jebusites, so you may live there, and I will destroy them completely. 
And he goes on to say, you must not worship the gods of these nations or serve them in any way or imitate their evil practices. Instead, you must utterly destroy them and smash their sacred pillars. You must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, I will bless you with food and water and I will protect you from illness. There will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land and I will give you long, full lives. I will send my terror, that word is hornet, ahead of you and create panic among all the people whose lands you invade. I will make your enemies turn and run. I will send terror ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites. You know, the, the, uh, the Hivites, their, their name actually means settlers. And the Canaanites, actually their name means zealous, and the Hittites means terror. But I just want to say this, whatever the enemy might be like, Settlers, I think there are some things in our lives where we feel like the enemy has settled something. There's a chronicity, things are chronic. Maybe an illness, it might be an issue or a situation, but God says, no, I will bring them down. There are some issues that we might be facing that genuinely see zealously aggressive against us, but God says, no, I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. And Hivites literally means terror, fear-inducing. But I just want to say this. God is the God who will transform and change us from sadness to gladness, from sorrow to joy, and from terror and fear to peace and faith. Because He's the God who goes ahead of us. And this morning, all of those things are available for us right here. In this room, together this morning. Why? Because Jesus has gone ahead of us. He overcame death. He overcame sin. We know that because he rose again. If Jesus hadn't risen again, then there's no hope for us. But the wonderful truth is, he rose again, and he is alive. And he sent his Holy Spirit. And there's an eternal hope for us that we talked about a bit today that Cindy referred to in relation to her mom. But also there's a hope for us now that she referred to. I believe I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That means now. That means today that we can see and experience the goodness of God, that God will oppose those who oppose us, that he'll destroy those who are seeking to destroy us because he's the God who's gone ahead of us as long as we're saying, Lord, I'm following you. Jesus, I'm here to obey your commands. I'm here to walk in your footsteps because you're the one who's gone ahead of me. And as we take this meal, that's the statement that we're making this morning. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.